And now, it's time for Lawyers for Jesus Radio, lighting our path through law. A show about faith in the law and in the marketplace. Featuring the partners from the law firm Mauk and Baker. Located in downtown Chicago, Mauk and Baker is nationally known for defending freedom and serving the people of faith. And now, Lawyers for Jesus. Good afternoon. Welcome to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Noel Sterrett. I'm an attorney at Mauk and Baker, a law firm in Chicago. We do a lot of different things. One of the things that we do uh, a lot of in the courts is the religious freedom work. Uh, civil liberties. Uh, we take uh, churches cases where they've been denied zoning. We take students cases in which they've been denied uh, the right to speak and share the gospel on campus. We get involved in a lot of things and really we couldn't do it without the support of the Alliance Defending Freedom. And today I am just so excited. We have uh, senior counsel at the Alliance Defending Freedom, Kristen Wagoners, on the line. Uh, she's involved in one of, if not uh, the most important religious freedom case of the day in America, Kristen, thank you so much for coming on. My pleasure. Let's get right into the case. Um, so this is Baronel Stutzman's case, the florist out in Washington. Give us a little thumbnail sketch of the facts. What are we dealing with? What does this case entail? Well, this case involves a 72-year-old grandmother who um, has been in the floral industry for nearly 40 years. She took over a business from her mother when her mother got Alzheimer's and has been operating that business for several decades now. Um, Baronelle believes that marriage is between a man and a woman, and that's what her faith teaches her. She also believes that all men and women are to be respected and created in the image of God. And so everyone that comes in her store, she welcomes and serves, and she just loves to be a part of their lives. She has a motto that um, she wants to serve her customers from birth until death. Um, meaning that there are so many special occasions in all of our lives that she wants to be there um, for her customers in that way. So she had been serving a gentleman named Rob for nearly a decade, for 10 years, designing all kinds of arrangements for him, about three dozen different arrangements, and including for his partner, Kurt. Uh, Rob said he identified as uh, a gay man and so she had talked to him about his relationship, and Rob knew that Baronelle was religious, and she knew that he was gay, but that never created a problem for them until Washington decided to uh, redefine and amend and recognize same-sex partnerships in their marriage laws. And at that point, it became an issue because Rob came into her store and asked her to do his wedding. Okay, so we've got a florist actively involved in providing services and without any objection, providing the services and the floral arrangements to uh, these two gay men. And then the, there's a public accommodation ordinance or what's the, what's the law that we're talking about? Well, sure. It, in 2012, Washington redefined marriage to include same-sex relationships. Okay. And in 2006, six years earlier, it had adopted what's called a sexual orientation, gender identity, non-discrimination law. Now, when Washington redefined marriage, the court in this case said that when it did so, all of a sudden, that sexual orientation, non-discrimination law meant that Baronelle could not, she would have to serve same-sex weddings um, if she wanted to do any type of wedding work for uh, traditional wedding ceremonies. So what it's called is a public accommodation law, 
but and that law is supposed to say you can't discriminate on the basis of sexual orientation or gender identity. But that's not what Baronelle did. If you look at the facts, um, she's loved and served everyone. She declined one single event in 10 years. And it wasn't based on Rob's um, desire or identity as a gay man. It was based on the fact that he was asking her to do custom floral arrangements for a ceremony. And in her town, um, oftentimes that would even include her attending that ceremony and providing services at the religious ceremony itself. And her faith wouldn't allow her to do that. So then she gets, what happened to her? I mean, when she declined this uh, service, what a, you know, I, I, obviously it's wound up in court. Uh, but for the listeners that aren't attorneys and haven't been following this closely as, as we have, what happened? Well, she um, kindly and gently, she knew that Rob was coming in. He had been in earlier asking to meet with her about the wedding, so she knew he was coming back. And when he did, she kindly put her hands on his, and they were in the side of the store, and she just quietly said she couldn't do his wedding because of her relationship with Christ. And the two of them continued to talk about his wedding. They talked about his engagement, how he got engaged, and they even talked about whether his mom would walk him down the aisle. Mm. Um, she referred him to three other florists nearby that she knew would do a good job for his wedding. They hugged, and then he left. And she thought that they, they parted as friends who disagreed over an important issue but nonetheless remained friends. His partner posted something on Facebook later and basically said that she had the right to do what she did but they wanted their friends to know that she would not be willing to participate or celebrate a same-sex ceremony. The attorney general of the state somehow got wind of that social media post and sent her a certified letter telling her either she must do same-sex religious ceremonies or she must get out of the wedding business altogether. And if she didn't, he was going to sue her. Wow, this is Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Noel Sterrett of the law firm Malkin Baker. Today we're talking with Kristen Wagoner, Senior Counsel at the Alliance Defending Freedom, about the Baronel Stutzman case in Washington. Uh, so she she was then sued, and then what happened? I, I mean, at this point, um, a grandmother just doing her floral uh, work, uh, trying to make a living. Uh, obviously, she wouldn't have the resources to defend against a state uh, lawsuit, or, or, you know, what happened? Well, she she would tell you she was terrified when she got that letter. They didn't know what they do what they would do. Um, you know, she's doesn't have the resources to fight a lawsuit. And when the attorney general filed the lawsuit, um, it was particularly punitive the way that he did it. He sued not just her business, Arlene's Flowers in Richland, Washington, mm-hmm. but he sued her personally. Washington is a community property state, and what that means is that all of her assets as well as her husband's assets are at stake. That means for a 72-year-old grandmother, her home, her retirement, her savings, everything she owns is at risk in this lawsuit. And the attorney general seemed to be fine with that and sued her on that basis. And then how did the how have the courts handled this? Because obviously as a civil rights attorney in in Chicago, and uh, I handle cases in other states as well, you look at this and immediately you think, well, obviously you'll have some disagreement over 
you know, who's under the public accommodation law. But we've got civil liberties in America. We've got both the free exercise of religion, but we also have the freedom of speech. And here you're talking about a florist that uh, is engaged in an artistic expression. And now you're saying by force of law, you have got to give your voice, lend your voice to the celebration of something that you believe, according to your faith, is ungodly and you have a conscientious objection to. So talk to us about the kind of the, the, the legal interests that are at, uh, kind of in conflict here. Well, I can just to put it in real plain language, essentially what's at stake here is whether artists can face their personal and professional ruin because they disagreed with the government. I mean, that's what's at issue. It's whether right. the government can force creative professionals, and then the next step will be all of us, sure. to create something or celebrate something that violates deepest our deepest convictions. The First Amendment guarantees that all Americans should have the right to peacefully live and work consistent with their beliefs. And I think just to put it in another, in perspective, all all people across this world have always had the right to believe. But what has made America so unique is that we ensure in our Constitution guarantees that we have the right to live and work consistent with our beliefs, that we have the right to act on our beliefs. And that's what's at stake in this case. It's not just Baronell's freedom, but it's all of our freedoms that are at risk. We know civil liberties travel together. And, um, you know, I, don't, I can't underscore enough that this precedent that will be set in Baronell's case will affect all of us who have any kind of license or want to be a part of the marketplace and live consistent with our convictions. Right, and as we saw in the New Mexico case, uh, the Elaine photography case, uh, the courts are starting to say, well, this is a price or a cost of your citizenship. If you're going to be a citizen in the state of New Mexico or Washington, uh, you're going to have to put your religious freedom and your free ex- or your freedom of speech uh, to the wayside in order to um, deal with our our dictate that you have to attend and, and help celebrate. Because really, whenever you hire a florist, whenever you hire a photographer, uh, implicit in the request is, you're going to help me make this marriage look good. You're going to help celebrate this. So it's not like she was just asked to do something neutral with respect to the marriage or the wedding. Um, let I think we have a, a lot to get into uh, in terms of this cost of citizenship uh, argument and where do we go from here? Because I, I think to your point, it is much broader than just uh, the religious freedom, uh, because it, it involves the speech. And and if correct me if I'm wrong, but it, I thought the attorney general conceded as much in the Supreme Court mm-hmm. argument that you handled uh, that this was did involve speech. It ab- you're absolutely right. Um, that was one of the the shocking parts of the Washington Supreme Court's decision just recently. Um, it's that the Attorney General, when we argued the case before that court, said, conceded, that Baronel's um, designs were expression, that they, they are covered by the First Amendment. Um, but he believed that, he even gave the example that the government has the right to force a poet to create poetry that would be consistent with the government's ideology. And if you think about it in other contexts, the way this could apply is, um, you know, a Democratic speechwriter can be forced to write speeches for Republicans, or a Muslim singer can have to sing at an Easter service. Um, there are just a number of a, a gay graphics designer will have to promote for the Catholic Church a conference on biblical marriage. Uh, traditionally, our First Amendment, we provided robust expression and a national commitment to ensuring we protect expression because we believe there's freedom 
and there's an important interest in ensuring we all have the freedom of the mind and the spirit, not to be coerced to say things we don't believe, um, and not to have to refrain from saying things that we do believe are true. Yeah. Let's pick up more uh, about the Baronel Stutzman case with Christian Wagner after the break. You're listening to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. Welcome back to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Noel Sterrett, partner at the law firm of Malkin Baker in Chicago. We're talking with Senior Counsel of the Alliance Defending Freedom, Christian Wagoner. Uh, you represented Baronel Stutzman in before the Washington Supreme Court in the Arlene's Flower case involving the florists, uh, who, who basically told uh, her gay friend, who she had been providing flowers to uh, for many years, that... Um, You've asked me to cross a line, which is you're asking me to help celebrate uh, the same-sex wedding. I can't, because of my faith, uh, provide, lend my voice to the celebration of something that the Bible um, forbids. And uh, so it wound up in court. It wound up in the Washington Supreme Court. And that's where you argued the case, correct? Yes. And uh, what did this Washington Supreme Court say after the argument? Sure. The Supreme Court... Um, said that Baronel, while it said that she intended to create custom designs and she intended that to express a message um, of celebration of marriage, that um, it didn't receive any protection under the First Amendment and that it violated the state's public accommodation law. The court said that it didn't matter that she had served him for 10 years and that she um, had designed you know, flowers for his partner, nor did it matter that she was willing to serve him arrangements that were already made, um, just not participate in the wedding, that that didn't matter either. So um, we will be appealing to the U.S. Supreme Court. That's great, and I think that's something that everybody should be praying for. Uh, again, this is this is something that should matter to everyone. Um, what does she stand to lose uh, if the Supreme Court does not reverse the Washington Supreme Court? Well, the civil penalty, um, fortunately in Washington, the civil penalty is not a lot. Um, it's a maximum of 2000 per violation. In other states, I will say the civil, there are actually criminal penalties and you can face jail time. But um, in Baronell's case, it's not the civil penalty that will do her in. It is the attorney's fees that the court will require her to pay, and that's required under this statute as well. It provides a strong stick to force people to violate their conscience because she could be looking at attorney's fees, we've been told, um, that the other side's attorney's fees could be in seven, seven figures. I should also add that after the attorney general sued her, the ACLU reached out to the gay couple, and then the gay couple sued her um, using the ACLU. So she's facing attorney's fees for both the ACLU and the state. And what is the ACLU doing uh, with its um, notorious commitment to the wall of separation of church and state, uh, seeking <laughs> to enforce uh, a law that would basically require somebody to attend a religious service? Is that uh, a little odd or ironic? I just... Oh, it's so hypocritical. You yeah. know, uh, the ACLU a few weeks ago raised something like $24 million in one weekend um, supposedly to protect our freedoms. But what we're seeing that they do with these this kind of money in large part is deconstruct our freedom and take it away. In almost every right of conscience case that we have, the ACLU ends up in some way, shape, or form um, being against us, whether it's a, a friend of the court brief or being in the background or openly representing the people that are 
trying to force Christians to violate their faith. Yeah, Malkin Baker and ADF are involved in, actually, I'm involved in two of these cases in Illinois where the ACLU is uh, trying to get involved. Uh, they uh, amended the Health Care Right of Conscience Act because they want to make sure that any pro-life medical uh, doctor or nurse out there uh, gets involved in referring people to abortions. And uh, I think you're right. It's, it's a terrible thing. Um, but I don't want you to support ACLU if you're listening, but I would like you to support the Alliance Defending Freedom and Baron L. Stutzman. If, Christian, could you let us know how we can support ADF? Sure. Well, and I'll, uh, before I get to that, I would even bring up just today an article came across my my email that the new tagline for the left is that if we lose, if they lose the right of abortion, um, then they'll also lose the right of marriage. So we're seeing the ACLU tie all of these issues together, which underscores it doesn't really matter what you feel or think about marriage. Mm-hmm. Religious freedom and protecting it is important to all of us because all of our freedoms are at issue. We have a website called LetFreedomBloom.com. That's LetFreedomBloom.com. You can find more out about uh, Baronell's case, or you can go to ADFLegal.org and find out about other cases as well and, and how you can contribute. We provide all of our services on a pro bono basis, but obviously that means that um, we're expending resources to defend Baronell and people like her. Yeah, and not only does ADF uh, provide these uh, pro bono legal services and representation, they also uh, raise money in order to support allied attorneys like myself. And so the attorneys at Malcolm Baker, a lot of the religious liberty work that we're able to do, uh, pro-life work, the free speech work that we're able to do on various campuses, uh, oftentimes we receive uh, helpful grants from ADF. It's just a wonderful organization. I would encourage you to sign up, uh, get their newsletter, make sure you're understanding what's going on. Uh, really, the battle's being fought on so many fronts, and I'm so excited that we have attorneys like Kristen and other ADF attorneys out there uh, making sure that the civil liberties that uh, we've long enjoyed in this country remain, and uh, the free exercise of religion and the freedom of speech, that they're just central. That's why the, that's why the founders put them first. And so uh, let's talk about where do we go as a country, and and how do we deal with these issues uh, from a legal perspective? Because uh, you know there, there are groups that are saying, well, we don't want discrimination, uh, how do we deal with discrimination in the context of our other freedoms? Well, first of all, this isn't discrimination. Um, right. And I think you've got to dispel that notion and not use the other side's talking points. They use that word discrimination to shut people up and bully them and try to avoid having a civil, respectful, reasonable conversation about what really is happening. Mm-hmm. Um, in Baronell's case is a perfect example um, as I said, she's, she served this gentleman for nearly 10 years, and he, she even says to this day that she would love to serve him another 10 years. If he walked in the store, she'd give him a hug and ask him what she can do for him. Yeah. But she simply declined one event, which was a religious ceremony that she was asked to celebrate and do custom arrangements for. And so it's not discrimination. When someone loves and serves everyone, we want artists, we want creative professionals not to be compelled to create messages or create expression or create art that violates their freedom of speech and their freedom of religion. And that's what's at issue here. So I think that's one way of responding. Another way is not buying into the lie that somehow these laws are necessary. Sure. Sex- sexual orientation gender identity laws are being misused. They once were for a noble purpose when we were protecting, for example, African Americans in the race context, which was a horrific period in our nation's history, unlike any other. Mm -hmm. But they're now being misused, and they're being used as a weapon Mm -hmm. 
to force people that have had the same belief about marriage for generations, for millennia, across cultures and civilizations. So this is about marriage. It's not about how someone identifies in terms of whether they describe themselves as gay or straight. Yeah, I think that's that's important because I think in many respects, uh, when the media narrative is framed, this is about discrimination. And then you, it really requires everybody to take a look at the actual facts because when you read the facts of this case, it's, it's just so compelling. Clearly, there was no desire to do anything other than say, look, I have to draw the line. This is what my faith commands. This is my voice, and I'm not going to lend it to you. I'm not going to uh, celebrate that which you asked me to celebrate. And um, I think that's really important. But sometimes, uh, you know, a lot of people don't want to wait for the facts. And uh, there's there's an ideological um, point that's being driven uh, by the left, by the ACLU, and it's really trying to get us uh, to bow the knee. And I think that's something that Unfortunately, if we're not going to be uh, taking these cases in court and uh, taking the battle in, in, the, in the media and making sure that we're uh, standing for truth and righteousness, uh, that the battle will be quickly taken to our front because Baronell wasn't looking for this case. This case brought, was brought right to her door. I, I agree. And, and the other thing I would add to this is even the Supreme Court of the United States has recognized that there is a difference between discrimination that occurred in the civil rights era and what is happening right now. The Supreme Court of the United States, in its same-sex marriage decision, says that reasonable and honorable people believe marriage is between a man and a woman, and that that is a reasonable belief. In stark contrast, the Supreme Court has said that there is no reasonable belief to try to separate the races. And so even the Supreme Court has recognized this distinction. And to compare this to some sort of discrimination issue, it's offensive, and it's just an effort to shut down a debate that we need to have as a society. Yeah, I completely agree, and I think, uh, you know, hopefully we'll be uh, court-watching, and as the, um, you know, the Alliance Defending Freedom, you've had uh, several cases up in the Supreme Court. Uh, the Reed v. Gilbert case, I can tell you, has been uh, very helpful already in a lot of my cases. Um, and then we've got uh, the Lutheran playground case that's going up. Uh, is there anything else that uh, people should be aware of in terms of the cases uh, to be praying for or uh, that Alliance Defending Freedom is, is involved in? Oh, yes, absolutely. We have a number of cases that are similar to Baronel's that are coming up through the court system right now. The Supreme Court is considering a petition on Masterpiece Cake Shops, which involves Jack Phillips, a cake baker. Um, and on April 19th, we will be having oral arguments before the United States Supreme Court in our Trinity Lutheran case. And that case right. is about whether the government can target people of faith and religious organizations and claiming that they must do so in order to be neutral towards religion. So that involves a church preschool and whether they can participate in a neutral program, just like everybody else does, or if they can be excluded just because they're sponsored by a church. So that'll be a really important Supreme Court case in April. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Kristen. I, I would encourage everybody listening to go on to ADF's website, uh, support uh, the ministry, support the effort. These are incredibly important cases uh, that we need to make sure that we're winning. And if we show up and we continue to uh, stand for truth, righteousness, and our civil liberties, I think we can win these battles. So thank you so much for coming on. Well, thank you for having us.
All right, this is Lawyers for Jesus Radio. Uh, tune in every weekend uh, to listen to us talk about what God's doing in the law and in the marketplace. Uh, you can find out more about our law firm at maukbaker.com. Call us 312-726-1243. If you have any legal issues, uh, we'd be happy to talk to you and see if we can help. Thank you very much. Serve somebody. Yes, indeed, you're gonna have to serve some.